Converge Nation, I'm Shavonda Allen, licensed professional counselor and marriage and family therapist, and I'm here with today's self-care drop. I want to share some ideas with you today about anger. We're going to talk about anger when it's healthy, and then we're going to talk about what anger looks like when it's not healthy anymore. And I'm going to give you five tips to begin to resolve that unhealthy anger. Anger in and of itself is really a healthy emotion. It's just like any other emotion we may feel. It's just like joy or sadness. When we perceive something is unjust or a threat, then we get angry. And that anger is necessary and relevant in some situations, but other situations, maybe not so much. Anger is oftentimes a secondary emotion, meaning that there's another feeling that we're really feeling that's getting masked by anger. That could be hurt, fear, sadness, disappointment, or even disrespect. Those feelings though sometimes feel vulnerable to admit. And so instead of saying, I feel hurt, I feel sad, we just get angry. What happens when anger goes wrong? When anger goes wrong, we can become more angry than we'd really like to be more often than we'd like to be. And that intensity of that anger can be more than what's really needed in that situation. When anger goes wrong, you are no longer in control. The anger is definitely running the show. When anger goes wrong, we can find ourselves feeling resentment. And I like to describe that as unresolved anger and unforgiven hurts. We take the hurt, we take the anger, we put it in a bag, we throw it over our shoulder, and we really try to walk forward with the stuff from the past. That begins to wear and tear on us, and the people around us start to feel the brunt of that as well over time. So five tips to begin to resolve unhealthy anger. Tip number one, acknowledge that things are out of control and that maybe you do have a trash bag with stuff from the past that you're still holding on to. Likely people have been telling you that something's up with you or you don't seem like yourself or you've already been feeling heavy and weighed down. Tip two, be willing to take a moment when you do get angry and ask yourself, what else am I feeling? Be willing to acknowledge and express that feeling instead of anger. Tip number three, find some healthy ways to express the energy that comes with anger. Go for a walk or a run, work out, dance, yell into a pillow. Write a strongly worded email, but don't put anything in the to field because we don't actually want to send that. We just want to get those words out. Tip number four is forgiveness. Truly, truly forgive the hurts. When Jesus told us about the Lord's Prayer, he said, forgive us as we forgive those that trespass against us. When we learn how to really truly walk in our own forgiveness, it makes it so much easier to begin to give forgiveness to others. And with that being said, forgiveness really isn't for others. It really is for us. But that's a whole talk on an, in and of itself. But we really do need to take a look at, are we walking in forgiveness ourselves? And then what might it be like to give forgiveness to others. Tip number five is seek help. Converge Nation, pray, ask God to show you where you're holding hurts. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring your words and your behavior back under your control. Seek assistance, learning how to better communicate so that you can communicate that hurt. You can communicate that disappointment and not anger instead. And remember Converge Nation, you're not alone in your journey. I want to leave you with some scripture that just kind of talks, speaks to some of the things that I've said today. The first is Matthew 6, 9 through 13. 
which is where the Lord's Prayer is, Proverbs 14 and 29, Ecclesiastes 7 and 9, and then finally Colossians 3 and 13. And I say finally, but this really is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what the Bible has to say about anger and about forgiveness. So please, Converge Nation, dig in and begin your journey of healing if you can identify that maybe this is an area where you're struggling or you may be stuck. All right, Converge Nation, thank you so much for your time. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me at smallvictoriescounseling.com. I'd love to answer any questions you may have that might help along your journey. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.
What if we could love the way Jesus did? Passionately, faithfully, powerfully. What if the way we love could make a difference in the world around us? What if that love looked at everyone the way God does? A love which doesn't see the past, but is consumed by a desire to see people come to know Jesus. A love which is patient and kind, not envious or prideful. A love which puts others before ourselves, chooses peace over anger. A love which protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres. Do we love like this? Do we love like Jesus? Maybe it's time to ask a simple question. How can we love better?
Converge. I'm sure you're thinking, hmm, where is Pastor Ray? Well, we left him at home this morning and we have come with a special surprise for you. So thank you so much for joining us and happy February and we are coming with a treat. As most of you who've been with us all month, you know that Pastor Ray and I started a series, This Is Us. And so we've been talking about relationships and that very first week, we kicked off with Colossians, the third chapter and the 18th verse. And I'll just read that for your review. Um, I'm reading from the New International Version. It says in Colossians 3.18, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And so that's where we're going to pick up again. So I have a panel of beautiful women and we're going to talk about our experiences. We're going to talk about what may seem in our culture the dirty S word, <laughs> submission. And so we've got uh, just treats in store for you. So bear with us. Some of us are experienced speakers and others of us are not. But we just want to sit down as girlfriends and just dig into the word. So I hope you grabbed your coffee. Hopefully you're still in your robe. And I hope that you also grab a notebook and a pen and you can jot down some things. We hope that will be a blessing to you. Well, I'm fighting the urge to introduce everyone because I do not want to steal their thunder. And then I have my note cards. You'll see me looking down because I want to make sure that we are on topic. We are just because one of us talks an awful lot and is easily distracted and gets off course. We're not going to mention her name, but I made notes so that everything would be together and that we would be able to minister you in the most efficient way possible. So I'm going to go down the line with the lovely to my immediate left. And I want you to give your name, how you met your husband, how long you've been married, and if there are any children or extras. Ooh, I love that. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Coretta Sigler, and I met my husband, Roland Sigler III, uh, in the military at uh, Keesler Air Force Base, long time. We've been married 32 years. Are we approaching our 33rd year? We have three beautiful, wonderful sons, adult sons, and seven wonderful grandchildren. So we're looking forward to sharing with you. Oh, wow. I can't believe she's got the grandchildren, but I've got the gray hair. <laughs> well, everybody will stay in their own lane. I'm going to celebrate it, but you look good. Thank you, Lo. Honey, you looking wonderful. <laughs> well, we're going to go to the next fabulous person because I'm not going to say their name. And so we're going to go to the lovely lady with the mauve blouse right here. Well, good morning. My name is Sabrina Smith, and I am married to Chuck Smith. Um, we have been married nine years, or will be nine years in June. And we actually met through my best friend, who is also a mutual friend of his. Uh, we are both HR executives, and I've been in my field for 25 years, but we met at an HR networking function. So... And I am delighted to be here this morning to share more about our life. Children or grandchildren? Children. We have three adult children between us. It's a blended family. And then we have four grandbabies and then one great-grandbaby. That is great. Now, that's a word for all of you. You need to have a friend that'll hook you up. If you're single, if you're married, you get no hookups. <laughs> 
that is a precious story. And then we have our lovely right here in the pink sweater on the couch. My name is Ashley Holman. I have been married a whole five months. So bringing lots of experience to you. Um, my husband and I actually met online last January. So we've been married five months. We've known each other a whole 13 months. So I have no biological children, but together we have four children. Yes, well that is great. And no grandchildren yet. No grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no. yes. Well, I am so excited to have each of you. And I know I started off by reading the uh, NIV version of our foundation scripture for the series, This Is Us. Um, and I, when we started working on the message, you know, this is, the, this is us, wives submit. So I'm going to read from a couple different translations before we start talking about that word. In the New King James Version of Colossians 3.18, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I love the Amplified Version. It says, Wives, be subject to your husbands out of respect for their position as protector and their accountability to God as is proper and fitting in the Lord. The Message Translation reads this way, Wives, understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honor the master, meaning God, not the master, our husbands. <laughs> <laughs> and the last translation is the voice, and it's the voice translation. It says, wives, be submitted to your husbands as is appropriate in the Lord. So ladies, now we've read the scripture, but I want you to just put that to the side just for a second. What are your initial non-biblical thoughts about the word submission? So it can be a thought you have right now or maybe when you were younger when you first heard the word. But what are your thoughts centered around the word submission? Sabrina? So when I first heard that word, immediately I thought about giving up something. Mm -hmm. um, giving up either something within me or just... I'm submitting to something that maybe I don't want to do. And then growing up, that's what I witnessed. So that's the first thing I thought of is giving up something. Okay. And you said it's something that you witnessed growing up. Now, if I get off track, I want to come back to that. That has to do with our next question. So, but Coretta. Yes. You know, um, honestly, the it's easy for me. I think going up, growing up as a PKs or preacher kids um, in that household, honor is the is what immediately comes to mind for me. Um, it was easy because that's what I saw my mother doing. It is. It she didn't do it out of experience of what I saw was because of the fact she was made to do something, because she based upon the love that he gave and showed, and exemplified. She, it was easy for her to honor, and that, in, of course, it flowed as far as even to the children, for us, for us, as to honor our father, to respect him, to ensure that he was the head of the home, and that we were leading to his direction, and that's where, that's what it means for me, yeah. as far as mission. Yes. Ashley. That's very impressive that that's your answer, because <laughs> mine probably could not be further in the opposite direction. <laughs> Um, when I think of that word from a non-biblical standpoint, mm -hmm. I, I hate it. It makes me feel less than. Mm -hmm. It sounds demeaning. Um, and until I was married, I, I really thought, I've worked oh, yeah. a long time to get to where I am. Oh, yeah. mm -mm. Like, 
I don't want somebody else telling me what to do. Right. But yes. Yes. Things can change. Yes, they, they can. Yes, they can. You had good input in your life. Now, I want to go back to something that Sabrina actually said, and it, it leads into our next question. Um, it says, uh, all of us, we came up in a culture in our within our home. There is a certain uh, a climate and culture in our home um, where we either witness submission or maybe we didn't. So let's talk about that. How is how has your upbringing impacted how you view submission? I'm going to start with you, Ashley. Well, now that makes me sound really bad, right? I'm sure that there are women who can identify right. with that that are just like, and we, you know, we just want to be honest because our foundation is the Bible. Right. But before Christ finds us and we accept him, we do have ways of thinking. And even once we accept him, we have to submit those ways of thinking to him. So you are fine. Right. <laughs> so... Um, I think I should want to go back a couple of weeks to the sermon when you first talked about it, right? And the verse says, submit to your own husbands. Um, so I did, I did see that. I did growing up, um, you know, both of my grandparents, my parents. Um, so and speaking about it biblic biblically and historically in my life, I always had very great examples of submission. But like you were saying, the men in my life made that easy. Mm -hmm. Um, they were never dominant right. or domineering right. or forced that. So it, it was always just kind of normal. Mm -hmm. And I never really thought about it um, from a non-biblical standpoint. Okay, so. very good. Sabrina? Well, um, I grew up in the country, or I guess my parents are from the country, and my grandparents were married for 50 years. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother never worked, so my first view of a wife um, being submissive to her husband was watching my grandmother. And what I saw was a good display of the marriage. I mean, she was happy to cater to him. Uh, my mom has 11 brothers and sisters, so it was a big family. But I always saw her and the women in the family catering to me, to the men. Um, and it wasn't a negative, but I, I always wondered, well, what if they had aspirations or dreams or things that they wanted to do. I didn't see them participating in those types of things. And so I think my viewpoint was, if you get married, you won't get to do those things because here's here's what's on display. Wow, that's good. And that I'm so glad that you can um, look back at your childhood and how those things impact us because no matter what our background is, even if it's not stated, it is making an impression on us. And I experienced the best of both worlds. So at home, my mom, she worked all the time. She not she didn't work all the time, but she had a job. She was out there working. We were in school, so she would cook and she took care of the home. But I didn't see necessarily that catering. She'd make my dad's plate or whatever. Now, my grandmother, on the other hand, when I could um, be aware of what was going on by this time my grandmother had retired and what I saw her do was the catering I mean she would even iron my grandfather's underclothes his undershirts and underpants I mean and fold them and have them she on Saturday she washed and she hung them on the line and so 
growing up, I never really thought about submission, but I saw, I guess it was a balance in my mind. I saw both. I saw my mom working, but then I saw my grandmother who was a retired teacher. So she'd worked for 34 years, but I saw the catering side of it. So maybe I told myself, you don't do that to your retire. I don't know. I don't know. Yes. And Coretta, I know you touched a little bit about your upbringing, but. Well, you know, I was even thinking even further, even beyond as far as just what I saw modeled before me um, from my mother just being treated very well. Mm -hmm. um, that was what I saw. I was talking about, well, how do I take that to where I am now or when I grow up or whatever. It was like, God, my dad treats my mom so wonderfully. I mean, just treated her like a queen. And, but not only was that, I did see that when you talked about ironing of the shorts. I saw my mother, I don't know if you remember, there was starch where you could spray the shirts and, <laughs> and ball them up and ironing and all that. Now, we did have the cleaners and all of that, but I saw that aspect. I saw that aspect as well. It wasn't, didn't seem like, oh, she's so domestic that the fact that she's going to get hit by a whip if she didn't do that. Right. It wasn't that. I felt like she got joy out of just doing something wonderful for him. Mm -hmm. But the other key point that I wanted to also mention was not only was that uh, that submissiveness to him because of the fact it's easy to submit and have submission for someone that respects you. And that's what I saw my father having respect as far as for my mother, meaning he respected her intelligence. Like she's the one that primarily handled the finances of the home. Um, he respected the fact that she also um, handled uh, women's Bible studies and everything. He availed to her. So it wasn't to the point where she didn't have a voice in the home. So that was something that was really positive for me that it was something that I aspired to do and once I got out of the home and, and to get married. So that was positive. Wow, that's great. Now I'm going to, uh, for the sake of our audience, I'm going to take a little detour. It's not anything that any of the questions that we've gone over, but this could be a real issue. What advice would you have for women who are in a married relationship? Because if you saw week one, I already talked about you don't submit to boyfriends, you don't submit to fiancés. It says wives submitting to your own husbands. Yes. So what advice would um, you have, and I'm going to go to everybody, for a woman who is married, but she isn't necessarily experiencing that respect and the honor like your father had given uh, to your mother. So what would you, I'm going to start with you, Ashley. I know that you're the, the newest, <laughs> the newest kid on the block, but just from the top of your head, is there anything that you could, any encouragement you could give to a woman? I would say pray for that man. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and really I would think that's my only advice. You're not going to change him. You can't change people. Only God can change his heart. And if you're not being respected, a lot of times you come back with that attitude of not having respect. But what I find is if, if you're praying for that person, it's really hard to be talking back, you know, talking yeah. bad to them. So that would be my advice. Very good. Uh oh, look at Ashley. Very good. All right. Yes. Sabrina. Well, I echo what um, Ashley said to pray for him, pray for yourself, and ask for, you know, what can I do differently to help this situation? And I think for myself personally, I have friends that have been married longer than I have. Um, and so I would connect with an older couple or someone who has more experience and work with that young lady or husband and maybe have them meet and talk and, and he may not know how to 
be that person or be the man that you need him to be. And so maybe connecting him with someone else that displays that behavior, they can talk man to man as opposed to you as the wife trying to get him to be a different person. Yes, that brought up a thought also, especially as we are experiencing the times we are with the pandemic and you know people being at home with one another or maybe losing a job. There could be behaviors and attitudes surfacing that wouldn't normally be there but based off of the condition. So that is great advice. Praying for him, watching your response, and getting some mentors. That is excellent. Thank you. Coretta. Well, I'm going to go a little differently just a little bit. The first thing I would say is just for them to acknowledge that they don't deserve that level of treatment. That's the first thing to acknowledge because a lot of times, you know, ladies, women will, will stay in a situation or not even mention it because we're feeling like this is what this is how I'm supposed to be treated. Mm -hmm. First, be aware that this is not appropriate. And then on top of that, my next would be communication. Mm -hmm. uh, trying to communicate, to have that conversation as far as with your husband. Yes. And if that doesn't go, then the next step I would say is is counseling, then seeking, um, seeking additional support and advisement to help to ensure that that is a more healthy uh, relationship and communication in marriage. And so those are key elements that I feel like are very important. Yes. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Thank you so much. Um, one thing that I did want to bring out is all of you are professional women. All of you are heavy hitters in the workplace. You've got families, you're making it happen. And so as professional working women, you have major opportunities. You're college educated, you've got major opportunities to be very independent, unrighteously independent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so uh, because you, you've got your own job, you've got your own money, you're making it happen for yourself. How do you navigate your professional life? Um, and I'm... Because I know you, I'm going to have you tell people what you do before you answer the question. So, but how do you navigate your professional life with submitting to your husband, with your home life, and still remain true to Colossians 3.18? So we're going to start off with Coretta, but tell everybody what you do first and then answer the question, how do you navigate your professional life Absolutely. with your home life and still honor God's word? Absolutely. Well, I am a registered nurse, uh, but I work in the corporate arena, so I'm not actually doing patient care bedside. So with that, I'm a clinical account consultant uh, at a major uh, health management uh, company. But what I wanted to uh, definitely bring to the table, you're talking about heavy hitters and you're in meetings uh, time and time and you're constantly talking. And of course, uh, as you can see, I talk with my hands as well. But the one thing that is important for me is that I had to make sure and change my communication. That is the first thing. It's like when I'm driving in the driveway, I have to remember, because it's easy to say, well, you know what, let's assess that situation and let's, you know, well, you know, well, did you vet that out? Or did you, that whole conversation has to change. You're, you're, because I, inadvertently, you don't turn, you have to turn that off. Because I remember coming, walking in, and he was like, you're not at work. <laughs> and you have to understand with that, because you're in a leadership mode or to that point, you have a different type of role. And when you're coming in, he doesn't work for you. <laughs> Let's start with that. So that had to be some changes that I had to make sure and be cognitive of is to ensure that I have to take off that hat 
And when I'm driving in the driveway, that hat comes off and then the hat of a wife has to come into play. So that was one thing that I can definitely say I had to change. <laughs> it's so amazing that you say that because Pastor Ray and I have been married. It'll be 20 years in March. Um, so we're yeah. knocking up yeah. on 20 years. Yes. When we met, though, I wasn't in full-time ministry. I was at my my background is elementary education. So I got my degree in elementary education and I taught when he and I met, I was a first grade teacher. And he would often say, you're talking to me like the kids. But for me, I didn't even know what that meant. But I'm a big talker, so I'm talking all the time. So then we get home and I'm talking and I would actually, I guess, repeat things and, and try to, you know, I don't know. Because in my mind, I don't have any consciousness of it but that is a huge point yes. to turn that professional change that professional hat yes when you're pulling in the driveway i needed you 20 years ago girl <laughs> all righty ashley so i am president of a insurance tpa so um it obviously it's two very different worlds i pretty much in charge during the day and then in the evenings I'm not, but I also, this is this kind of a hard question when you brought it up because we have both been working from home the entire time that we've been married. So we have not yet experienced either one of us leaving the house and coming back from that atmosphere. So we have our separate areas of the house um, that we stay in while we're working. And then at the end of the day, we close those doors and it does, it becomes an, a complete mm -hmm. attitude shift once I walk out of my office. Um, and contrary to what I said about submission, I actually really like it at that point. Mm -hmm. I really like some of that burden being taken away that I don't have to make every decision. Because you know, I lived by myself for years and so what's for dinner, when the bills get paid, where you're going, all of that was always my decision. So now it's it's kind of freeing some days to just be like, That's good. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> the honeymoon, I like that, that is so good, amen. All right, Sabrina? Well, I feel like I've learned something from the three of you because um, I'm, first of all, I'm a uh, director of human resources for a surgery center in Plano. But as I mentioned, my husband and I are both in HR. So we're policy enforcement all day long. <laughs> so when we come home, it's almost the same. <laughs> so uh, when we got married initially, um, I implemented annual reviews in our relationship. And we would take a, a time during the year to say, okay, let's sit down and let's let's review one another. Tell me what's working, what's not working. And and it so part of me was like that piece worked for us. Um, but I say that last sentence that you because I I want everybody I don't want people to miss it. Say that last sentence. That piece worked for us. That is huge. Some people will hear what you said about the annual review and they are going to be able to implement it and it works for them. Other people may mention it to their spouse and it may just tank, but that is what works for you. Yes, I love that. Yes, and I think, and we talked about it. You talked about communication. We talked about it in the beginning to say, okay, what's a good time for us to have that time to talk about what's working and what's not? 
So the fact that we had agreed that we were going to do that, when it was time to come together to do it, it wasn't any ill will. It's like, okay, here's what's working, here's what's not working. What can I do differently? What can you do differently? And we agree to do that, and we kind of move on. Um, but because we're in HR, I think we're used to talking to one another as though we're trying to help solve a problem. So when we're having disagreements, in my mind, I'm putting my HR hat on and saying, okay, I'm not seeing him as my husband. I'm seeing him, this is the issue, and how do we fix this issue? And that way it doesn't get personal for us. Wow. Wow. That's a whole nother. We might have to have you come and teach a class. Because in conflict, it can be taken very personal. And I think for you, your relationship, having that HR experience really is I'm very serious we might have you um come back I don't want to infringe on our relationship <laughs> series but even if we just do something yeah. you know for Converge Her that we can post later but I think those will be very valuable tools because you know that whole saying now in my feelings mm -hmm. your HR experience allows you to put those to the side and get down as Nacho Libre would say to the nitty-gritty yes. <laughs> experience so I'm like in my feelings is where yeah. I'm supposed to be and so so I know you said you were learning something from us but I learned something oh, from yeah. you so Absolutely. I'm glad I have your number because I will be giving you a call back <laughs> all right we've talked about home life and how we you know have viewed submission our backgrounds talking about our professional life but now I'm going one step further we're gonna get into the personal 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 yes. nitty-gritty of lives and I I'm going to start off with you, Ashley, because you don't have a unique situation to what is current in the culture, but you still have a unique situation. And so in getting into our social lives, our personal social lives, um, one subject that you are allowing us to go a little deeper in is I, we had talked about um, what has been going on in recent months as it relates to social injustice, as it relates to uh, race relations, uh, not just uh, locally, but globally, uh, what has been going on. And I want you to give us the unique perspective and really, um, if you, as much as uh, you are comfortable sharing, just, you know, help us understand, take a little peek into the newlywed home, how you navigate the things that are going on in culture based off of your current situation. Right. So um, we, I am in an interracial marriage. Um, I think it is a unique situation to some people. Um, to us, it just is what it is. Um, we didn't experience any negativity with our families. Uh, both families were very accepting. Um, so we kind of bypassed all of that very quickly. Um, I actually grew up on a farm in Missouri and took Thomas to the farm within three months of meeting him and, you know, small town in Missouri, he fit in fine there and there were, there was never an issue there. Um, and when I went to Georgia to visit his family, I mean, they loved me. His mom started introducing me as his, as her daughter immediately. Um, which just warmed my heart. But um, so for us, we don't really relate so much personally to what's going on. 
Um, I think what it has done for us though is a lot of times people assume that we do and it opens up a lot of conversations um, for us to other couples, other individuals, um, because we don't really relate a lot with what's going on because it's not our personal experience. Okay. Um, and I think that people get so radicalized on one side or the other, right? And so when they come to us, they assume we have a certain point of view just because we're in an interracial relationship. And sometimes that's not true at all. And so it's been very eye-opening for a lot of other people. And they're like, you don't even really talk about this? I'm like, we don't really talk about it because it's not our experience. Mm -hmm. And so for people who are on one side or the other to the extreme, it's a little easier for us to bring them to the middle. Wow. So that's good. That's a blessing for your marriage to just not just be a marriage and a relationship, but even for your peers, you can be a source of, of comfort and education and people can, we've known you for years. You have been, um, with Converge, we were City Church at first, so I believe, has it been eight years now? Yes. Yes, eight years, because we're going into our 10-year anniversary. So, for me, everybody can see that you are not African-American, your husband is, um, but you are a people person. I mean, your pastors are brown, even though <laughs> Pastor Ray is Liberian, so he's a full-blood African, and you've got me, and so our church is uh, multicultural, multiracial. But for you, I can honestly say when somebody says, oh, it's got to be an issue, she's just saying that. Because of eight years with you, I know it is not yeah. an issue. You are not a person that says, oh, I don't see color. Because you see color and you celebrate it. Yeah, when people say, I don't see color, I want you to see color. I mean, all see the, the differences. Yeah, see the differences and celebrate them. But you really are a person that is just like, you're a person, do you love Jesus? Or I'm okay with that or I'm not okay yeah. with that because if you're not okay you kind of grit your teeth and you're like nope it's not me and so but that's good that's the beauty of your relationship that what is going on in the outside the negativity is not infiltrating but you aren't turning a blind eye you do have opportunities to 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 talk about it so thank you for letting us get get in there all righty so you don't have children you haven't birthed any babies yet but by this time next year uh we could be if you so fee see it if the honeymoon is over we would love to throw a baby shower but you don't have children yet so you are exempt from this question but in the conversation of race relations and what's going on in the culture and as women of god i know even though your husband's African-American, your husband's African-American. You all have adult children yes. that are dating outside of their race. And so how do you navigate that? How do you handle I'm going to start with you, Sabrina, first and just say, have you had um, experience with your children uh, dating other races? And how do you navigate that being you know, a, a, a brown woman from the South. I mean, we have, I'm not from the South, but I spent some years there. My grandparents are from Alabama. So you can have some really strong views about some things. So talk about that a little bit. Uh, well, my son is, well, we have two sons. So the youngest is 25 and then our oldest is um, 35 and he's married. So we don't have to worry about him. 
But the youngest, you know, he played football all through high school, so he's always been very handsome, very attractive. Um, and I just assumed that when he dated, he was just going to date somebody that looks like his mom or looked like his sister. And so the first time it was his senior prom that he dated um, someone outside of his race, I was I really didn't know what to think and what to say. And then I could feel myself getting upset, but I didn't know really what I was upset about because she was a nice young lady. He enjoyed her company. He talked well about her. They went to school together, but there was just, I felt almost disrespected in a sense because he chose someone that didn't look like his mom. And so I had to get to a point where I realized that he was growing up and he was going to be making choices that I may or may not agree with. Um, and, and I told myself, okay, what do you really want out of this? And I always want a relationship with my son. And so I said, okay, in order for me to maintain that relationship, I need to be able to support and accept his wishes. And so now I, we have conversations about our values and core values in terms of what you should be looking for in a person. You know, do they love the Lord? Do they have a church home? Do they have the same beliefs that you have? And so that has helped me to kind of shift a little mm -hmm. bit and accept the fact that this is his choice at the end of the day, and it's not an offense against me or against his sister. Yes, and that's a, it's a low-level example, but that's a beautiful example of submission, is you are relinquishing maybe your desire, your will, and looking at the total good. I desire a relationship with my son, and so I am going to step back and not push my preference and allow him to be who he desires to be, which kudos to you because, you know, I don't experience this in my home, but a lot of times we can see, you know, mothers of boys can sometimes really drive the young men crazy because the mother is so yeah. wanting to push her own will and her own agenda. And so now I'm learning from you. Now, Levi is only 11, <laughs> but <laughs> we haven't, you know... He doesn't have a girlfriend yet. I've been trying to check up on it, but we'll see. But just learning that, what's more important, my preference or relationship? So that's a good and, thing. And if I could just add one other yes. thing. Mm -hmm. um, the other, just based on the, the climate that we're in right now, the other thing is just the fear of mm -hmm. because they don't know his upbringing, they don't know his history then they may not protect him as well as maybe another African-American girl. Yes. Um, and so I've just had to watch and learn and, again, allow him to just be the young man that he's going to be and he's going to pick the right person. But there was some fear in there, too, that they're not going to protect my baby, so this yes. is, you don't need to go down this path. Yes, yes. Thank you for sharing that. That is that, that That's real. Yes. That That is a real, real situation. So thank you. I want to add something to it, but I am going to pivot. That is such a power-packed question um, to the point where relating on both ends because I have, again, three adult sons, uh, two of our sons. One son is actually, I have a daughter in love um, that is Caucasian. And then, of course, my youngest son, um, he's dating as far as our Caucasian. And is that anything as far as a shock to my husband and I? Absolutely not. And the reason why, and the reason why this is power packed, because 
being in military and traveling abroad, being exposed to all cultures, that was pretty much the norm. And majority of the schools, whether it's private or not, they were normally the only African Americans in the school. So that wasn't necessarily a hard thing to really fathom that they would actually date or marry outside of their race. Because the one thing about it for me was that I wanted them to be happy. I wanted them to have a fulfilled relationship. But however, comma, <laughs> um, that was one of the things that I did. I, I actually asked my sons. I wanted to know, you know, was there something particular because they didn't choose anyone that looked like their mom, mm -hmm. you know, was there, that was a question that I, and I had a, had a conversation as far as with them. And one of the things that was very pleasing was like, absolutely not. You're absolutely beautiful, but it was just where my heart led. And I had to be open to that. Mm -hmm. um, when talking about uh, the African American culture, we're very open. We will let anything, we will let anybody in the house, baby, come in, have a seat, <laughs> come eat. You know, we'll do that. And my concern was culturally, I mean, as far as outside in the world, in the home, they're protected. We can protect that. That is an area that we can have some level of control. But where the concern was, was when our sons go outside. Everyone is not so accepting. Everyone right. is not so understanding. And I wanted to make sure that whomever they're with, could they really handle the concerns or the negativity that they could possibly uh, receive or approach? And would my sons be rece received on their doorstep as I'm receiving their daughter? Mm -hmm. So that was the concern for, for us, if anything. Oh. Pastor Ray, we might have to do a part two to this, <laughs> but we're going to stick with part one. But that is so good. That is, that's right where we are. And I'm so glad you're here because as a wife and prayerfully, the climate will change. But even though you don't look like us, you still have the same concerns that we have. I'm married to a brown man. I've got a brown boy. You'll have little brown babies one day. Hopefully this time next year, but no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> and so, you know, these things, I hope they're helpful to you too. Even though you don't experience that, then, you know, maybe one day. And so, all righty. So we talked about uh, submission and we've talked about our professional lives and at home and our children. So we're going to go a little deeper with the social life. And here's the next question. How do you have a life outside of work and kids and home and church, outside of those responsibilities, how do you as professional, godly, Colossians 3.18 women, how do you have a life? I'm going to start with you, Ashley. Well, fortunately for me, one of my best friends is a member of Converge Church, and then my sister is my other best friend. So... And we don't have kids in our house all the time. So it makes yeah, it a little easier. Um, so we actually do a ladies game night once a month. And that gives us time to my sister to be away from her husband, me to be away from my husband and just, you know, kind of refresh. As much as I love Thomas, sometimes I need a break. So. Amen. Can you work in? Right. We're together 24 yes. hours a day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sabrina, how do you, how do you navigate that? Um, I just try to prioritize. Um, Pre-COVID, uh, we had a schedule, girlfriends, we would try to get together at least once a quarter. If it's just lunch or brunch or just hang out at one another's houses. Um, but you do have to schedule it and actually make that time. Um, going back to communication with um, hubby, we typically will plan, okay, I'm going to do this with the girls. 
he also does the same golfing with his friends mm -hmm. because I think you need that you outlet do. just to kind of get out. Um, but my friends are professionals as well, so it's hard for them too. But we just try to pick a date at every quarter, and this is what we're going to stick to. Oh, that is great. Wow. Well, and I am agreeing actually with both. I had even pre-COVID uh, having time as far as with the ladies, with the friends, making sure that you have that set time monthly. Um, but also, if anything, it's important to have that special time apart because you have something to talk about, you know, because if you're together the entire time and it's like, okay, we just saw you around the corner. Here we go again. Now we're in the kitchen. Uh, now we're in the hallway, you know, and it's just you need a break because that's part of one thing that you did bring. You did not lose yourself and your essence when you got married. Your brain did not turn into something else. And you still have that outlet that you have to talk about certain things that are girly or fun or shopping or whichever. And just having that honor and allowing him to have that time, as you say, as far as with his friends and having an outlet as well, too. You need that. That, that keeps the relationship and marriage healthy on that aspect. Yes. yes. One thing I can say, because um, I am, you know, I've got school age kids, so you all are empty nesters you don't have any yet but I've got little ones at home and so one of my loves because of COVID are plants and so I can you know gear up with mask and everything and I've got a girlfriend and we go plant shopping and though Pastor Ray isn't into plants he will ask questions. He'll say, oh, I like this one right here. We've been doing some little touch-ups around the house. And he was like, oh, I would really, you know, like an orchid. Or what's the other one, the other white one? I said, a peace lily. He said, oh, yes, I would really like that. And I was so excited because plants are like my thing. But he just chimed in. If you find this while you're out, that would be great. I've got a dark corner, and I still want to have a plant, so I can't have a light. Uh, I can't have a plant a live plant in there but that was so precious to me because that's my own thing because I'm not quite at the you know my girlfriends right. my age are empty nesters yeah. and so I'm not always able to kind of go out or I've got you know after school pickup even though we share responsibility but I noticed in having that little thing that was my thing that sometimes he'll you know yeah. chime in or I'll have while I'm doing the dishes plant videos and he'll say isn't that the girl that has, you know, such and such and whatever? And so it makes me feel good, but he's not making plants his thing, right. but that's a, that's good. But taking interest in it. So yes. It and it's, for me, it's outside of church, it's outside of kids, right. it's outside of, I can connect. I just have one planty girlfriend that I go with. I was on Facebook the other day and I, some, uh, some of the ladies from Converge were buying trees and I'm like, I never bought a tree before. Elder Sigler got me a blueberry plant and I didn't have appreciation. And so little Abby died. And so sorry, Elder, but yes. But I'm redeeming myself. So I've already looked up. Ooh, I want to buy a peach tree. But I'm so glad I didn't get it because we're experiencing some frost. So I want to plant some rose bushes and some... So if you're into plants, once yes. the quarantine lifts, we might have to do a... Plant shopping tour around yeah, Dallas, yeah, yeah. but oh, I've, I've gotten off. All right, one, <laughs> one other layer as we get ready to uh, wrap up as far as having a personal life. Dun, dun, dun. Here's the big one. How do you navigate having relationships with single friends 
as married women. Yeah. I have like 20 minutes of stuff I want to yeah. say, but I am not going to say it because, you know, we go back to culture and there were certain things I was taught about when you're married and single friends, but I'm going to hear from you. I'm going to start with you, Sabrina. How do you navigate, how do you manage those relationships with you being married and having single friends? Um, I try to treat all of my friends the same. Um, there are certain things that I can participate in and cannot participate in, but birthdays, you know, get-togethers, baby showers, any of those types of things, then I'm all there. And I even go to dinner with them as well because I want that connection. Mm -hmm. um, I try not to talk a lot about the married life because I don't want them to feel like, oh, they're missing out or, you know, they're not married yet. But uh, I am also a resource for if they are dating, then I'm listening for like, okay, is he treating you right? Is he doing these, you know, the types of things yes. that you need um, done for yourself? And is he being kind to you? So then I can be a resource to say, yeah, that shouldn't be happening. This should happen. Yes. And this is how I know it's happening because mm -hmm. I can I get this at home. Mm -hmm. um, and some of my friends that are single, I do hear some of the negativity about dating and how they're not being honored, you know, as women. And I can you know, feel confident telling them that's not who you need in your life. That's not what God would have for you or you would want for yourself. Yeah. And so I think that is kind of the safe space for them to be able to open up and for me to feel comfortable sharing. But I try to hang out as much as I can. I learn as much as I can. I have a daughter now that's 20, she'll be 22 um, at the end of this month. And She's got her little single friends that she hangs out with. So I just try to stay close to it just so that I can have that connection. Oh, that's beautiful. So that undoes the myth <laughs> that you can't have single friends when you're married. Right. Yes, I don't think it's you can't have single friends when you're married. I think maybe uh, what was lost in that is that there are certain people who just maybe not be able to handle your married That's life. Right. All righty, let's see. I want to hear from you next, Coretta. Well, um, what, like Sabrina said, it's like you're treating all of my friends the same. And what it is is meaning treating, respecting them where they are. Because my single friends, um, actually one of my best friends, uh, we were single together. And so just because I'm married didn't mean that, okay, I can't no longer be friends with you. You know, that, it doesn't work that way. What it is is that I love them in their space. And, one, and what's really important when you have single friends, understanding their foundation, understanding what their thought process is. Um, because if you're having a single friend that's just walling out and just cannot even respect the relationship that you're in, your marriage that you're in. So that's, that's I think, the difference there is understanding what is the mindset of that friend and knowing the fact that there are certain things that you can't participate in as a married woman. And there are things that you can. You want to be able to enjoy that. But respect all of your relationships and knowing how to navigate them and knowing um, how we're not to cross lines and, and boundaries and different things like that. I, I don't think that it's like you can't have them. It's just right. knowing the the boundaries of, of right. those relationships. Yes. And core foundation, you said yes. something, the foundation of that person, yes. it shouldn't be based off of your marital status, but is this a person that is yes. good for me and what I stand for? Very good. Absolutely. Now, you've been married five months, and so are you in a situation where were you... Do you still have a lot of single friends or were you one of the last ones to get married? Where do you fall into that? 
locally, I do not have very many single friends, but um, again, I'm from Missouri, and so several of my friends in Missouri are single. Um, but I, I don't have any single friends that aren't also Thomas's friends by this point. Um, so, but like you were saying, my single friends here, I was single with them. Mm -hmm. So I didn't put a ring on my finger and then say, mm, sorry, we can't be friends anymore. That, that wasn't going to happen. But like I said, he's friends with them too. And so I think where the conversation about not being able to have single friends comes from is if you have single friends who don't want you to be married mm -hmm. because they want that life that you had with them mm -hmm. back. And so there's probably a lot of bad advice, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, right. and if you're, if you complain about something in the marriage, then, you know, they're quick to jump on that. But I don't, I haven't experienced that. I don't have those type yes. of friends because I feel like the friends that we do have want us to succeed mm -hmm. and want the best for us. Absolutely. So, yeah. And that's what you want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what you beautiful. want around you. Yes. I love that you said that the friends that you have are Thomas's friends at this point as well. Now, a whole nother third part, if we had the time we would go into, is this This has been a conversation in ministry, me being a female and having male friends, and they aren't friends with my husband. That has never happened in the Harmon household. I had, um, uh, when Pastor Ray and I first got married, there was a guy I had gone to college with, and I'd been single all these years, and he called the house, and we hadn't been married a year yet. And I had lived in that apartment before Ray and I got married. It was closer to his job. So we just, once we got married, he moved in with me because he lived in Dallas. I lived in Plano. He moved into the Plano apartment. So the friend called and I said, hey, friend, hold on just a second. Let me let you talk to my husband. And I gave the phone to Ray and he never called back again. <laughs> and so maybe he wasn't my friend. I wasn't trying to do anything to him, but I wanted to, I, I have a husband. Right. I'm undercover. You're not about to mess up my good thing. Yeah. If you're going to be my friend, you're going to be my husband's friend. Right. And he did yes. not choose that. And so, right. and you know, I've had friends that, because I was single up until almost, uh, you know, I was in my, I was 31 once, how old was I? I don't know. I was almost 30, 31 when I got married. And so I had friends I went to school with or friends that were in ministry. And so I had these relationships. And because Ray has always been in ministry, I would be like, oh, you should talk to my husband. And these people would never call. And I'm like, mm -mm, you don't get any access to me. So I'll, you have, like I'll slide in the little third part. But yes, we warn against having friends of the opposite sex and your, your partner they're not in relationship that can just be even though it might not be any attraction it's just a matter of respect it's and honor respect. yeah just respect and honor all right as we get ready to close i'm going to ask you this what has been the most rewarding part of being married and what has been the most challenging of being married i'm going to start with I'm going to go to Ashley last, so she's the newest. So let me start with you, Coretta, since you've got the most years in. What has been the most rewarding and what has been the most challenging? The most rewarding is the growth. 
um, because I married at the age of 21. My husband's four years older than I am. So just to see the growth, that has been most rewarding to see how we've grown from those kids when we thought we knew everything and didn't and navigating, making mistakes, picking them back up. And I think that has been the most rewarding is seeing that growth. Um, the most, I would say, challenging when you're getting married or being married at such a young age is it's kind of hard when you're making that navigation and changing. As you're growing, there are things that you're changing. Your thought process is different. The way I think now as a 53-year-old is different than what I, how I thought as a 21-year-old. Mm -hmm. So those types of things sometimes can... Um, can put a little bit, I wouldn't necessarily say friction, but uneasiness because there's expectations to be able to be the same almost. Mm -hmm. And there you have to kind of change, you know, your marriage and the relationship has to change with how you're changing as well too and growing and maturing. And so I think that's been the most, I would say challenging as far as throughout the marriage. Yes, that's good. Sabrina, the most rewarding and most challenging. Um, the most rewarding is, uh, Chuck is my best friend. So I think the most re rewarding for me is being able to do life with somebody that is a friend. If he was a <laughs> female, it would just, just like having a female best friend. Mm -hmm. um, we get to share a lot of things. We get to talk about a lot of things. We get to laugh at one another. You know, I laugh at him. He laughs at me. Um, and I also like the fact that I can say anything to him, share private moments. And I don't have any doubts that if he was upset that he's going to then use this information against me or or what have you so that is has been the most rewarding for me um the most challenging i guess has been trying to we have a big network professional network family network friends church and just trying to be kind of all things to all people um, in the early stages, like you said, you know, I came from a different church. He wanted me to come to this church. So learning to accept his environment, his friends, him accepting my environment and my friends. Now that we are almost nine years in, we, we have our circle and we know what that is. But in the early stages, I was like, mm, I don't. I don't want to be around her or I don't want to be around that. Girl. I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we yeah. figured that out. So I think mm -hmm. that was the most challenging. But I think once you decide as a couple what you want for your life and who, what circles you want to be in, it made it a lot easier. Yeah. Yes. I'm so glad you yeah. came on over. <laughs> yes. And Ashley, what has been the most rewarding and the most challenging so far? So I'll start with challenging. So you were saying you got married very young and you changed. Well, we're both much older than that. And so I have a lot of ways that I like things done. I mean, I realized in the last five months a lot more. Mm -hmm. I, I have a lot more preferences than I thought I had. So that part has been a challenge. <laughs> um, more so probably on my part than Thomas's. He is... He gives me a lot of grace and he lets me have my way a lot. Um, but yeah, that's been the most challenging part. But the most rewarding part um, is being married. I love my husband. Mm -hmm. 
And someone asked me a few months ago, she's like, how do you like being married? I was like, I love it. And she said, don't you like just having your own friend? I was like, I do. He's my <laughs> own friend. Like no one else can take him from me. He's yeah. my own friend. Oh, I, I get to that. be with him every day. So. Oh, I love that. And so we're, I know Sabrina came on over, so we're trying to win Thomas over because he, he had his church and I know they love him because he's a great guy, but Thomas, if you're listening, we're saying many, many prayers for you, brother. So, all righty, well, we're going to close and we hope that this was a great time for you. Ladies, do you have any final words, something you want to add that you just want to you know, you thought about as we were talking that you just want to encourage women out there. And again, if you are not married, this is a conversation for you. You can learn from our challenges. You can look forward to the rewards. And so I hope you didn't turn off uh, the broadcast. But are there any final nuggets that you want to just part with? I'll start with you, Sabrina. We'll just work our way back around. I would just say, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. Um Try to have as much open communication as you can. Um, I have, I think it's in Ecclesiastics um, where it talks about, you know, the race is not given to um, the swift, Mm -hmm. but those that endure to the end. So I think that if you can find a way to endure together, um, that it works out. I mean, you're going to have hills, valleys, bumps, what have you, but I think you have to agree Mm -hmm. to, to stay in there and hang in there together. Very good. Ashley? So my advice would be for people who are not married, um, because I think I probably more closely relate to that because I was so recently married. Um, And my advice would be in dating, like, don't settle. Wait until you find exactly what you're looking for, someone who treats you the way you want to be treated, someone who loves God. And real quick, Mm -hmm. um, we were doing fast seven years ago. Wow. I have... um, some notes from Pastor Ray's um, on a prayer call one night, and it was, and so this was the verse that I stoned for well, until last year. So um, it's Psalms 37, 3 through 5. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. And then my notes say, because and this is, I can remember this like it was yesterday, Pastor Ray saying it on the call. Stand flat-footed and feed on my faithfulness. Your future is secure. Wow. That is powerful. Amen. Thank you for that. Thank you. Well, um, the one advice I would give is that the the covenant of marriage, and this is for our married couples, the covenant of marriage was instilled and created of God. And so through all of those peaks, those valleys, all that you go through, the misunderstandings, or even the highs, all of that, just include and ensure that God is head over it. Um, God will help navigate every situation that you have. So always go to the source, and that's God. Yes, very good. Well, everyone, not just the ladies, everyone, we hope that uh, digging deep into Colossians 3.18 helps you see submission in a different way whether you witnessed it growing up or whether you thought it was a dirty word, whether you've been fearful of it or just resistant of it, I hope the things that we've said today are encouraging to you that you can do what God has called you to do, that you can submit to a good, godly man. You can pray 
Get yourself around uh, women where you can have a community, you can have an outlet. Don't tell them all your business. You just need one friend for that. But get yourself with a community of people, uh, whether it's here at Converge Online, our e-family, or wherever you are, just get with like-minded people. And if you're not married, begin to trust God. You can even send us an email and you can give us your name and we'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. All of us have been there before, actually more recently. Um, but we know what it's like to desire to be married. If you don't want to be married, <laughs> eat some nuggets and be happy. You hear me? It is well with your soul and ours too. But if you desire to be married, if you've been struggling with the submission, I women, I hope that you can see, oh, okay, it's not what... I made it to be. It's not what it seems like. It really is beautiful. Uh, and the Lord is a rewarder. When we do things God's way, we receive God's reward. So be blessed. I'm going to pray over you right quick and um, we'll let you go. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time. We just uh, look to your word and we look to you and we ask that you continue as your women that are married give us grace to do what you've called us to do uh especially as it relates to submitting to our husbands for those of us who desire to be married lord we pray that these nuggets are invaluable to them and they can hold on to the truth of your word which brings them strength and courage to do what you've said. Lord, help us to fight the cultural norms and stand for what we believe in, in you and in your word. We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for this day. It is in your precious name that we pray. Amen. All right, Converge Church, we're going to look to see you, Converge Nation, next week for our final week of This Is Us. If the Lord doesn't speak a word to Pastor Ray and we continue to go on. But thank you for joining us. You can send this to a friend. Come back. Send us some questions if you have questions. We have probably about five or six more things that we could have <laughs> talked about. Send Pastor Ray an email so we can extend this little lady session. Or not. Maybe we'll get to it maybe in September. But anyway, we love you. We look forward to seeing you next week. Have a fantastic week. Bye-bye. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear. Or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give in the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.